millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost and my guest today is Rachel Smith. Rachel's an accredited coach, but sadly her horse has recently been diagnosed with gastric ulcers. So she's kind enough to join us on the podcast to explain her experiences of what it was like. How did she diagnose the problem? Because you can't see gastric ulcers inside. And when she thought he had ulcers, what did she do about it? Two, how is her horse doing now? It's a real life story on the Horse Hour podcast. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm really excited today because I have one of my closest friends joining us as a guest. Her name is Rachel Smith and she has been my instructor for, oh my gosh, it feels like years. How are you, Rachel? I'm well, Amy. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I've got so much to thank you for. You're, well, first of all, you're a BHS accredited coach. And today you're going to be talking about your experiences with your new horse, Bob, um, because sadly yep. he was diagnosed with gastric ulcers. But let's just start with, I've got so much to thank you for because this lovely lady <laughs> is the one that got me back into riding at 27 Aww. years old, is the reason that I bought my first horse, Blackjack, and is the reason that I completely fell in love with Frisians because you're addicted to uh, them too, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you said to me, gosh, three months ago, you've been looking for a horse for a while, you, explain, let's start with that actually. So you've been instructing for years and you haven't had a horse for how long? Forever. So, I mean, I've had a, you know, little pony that I got years and years ago that um, uh, we actually got some Dartmoor ponies and they were being cold. So we, um, we had four uh, and one of them had another one inside her tummy. So that's (laughs) Rue and she's still mine now, although she's out on loan to some friends. Um, so that's great. She only turned out to be 10 hands. So not really big enough for me to ride, sadly. Um, and then a few others along the way that we've rehomed and and things. So, but since then not really had my own horse, um, just had children and husbands and weddings and things (laughs) like that and houses, but, um, not really had the the headspace to focus on something for myself. A few months ago, you said, I'd really like to think about, I've had my babies now, I'd like to think about getting another horse. And I thought, brilliant, you can come and ride Blackjack because I don't have time to ride him. Um, And that didn't work out terribly well because we came to ride Blackjack and you rode Blackjack and we had such an awesome (laughs) lesson that I didn't ride Blackjack. (laughs) I got on him instead of you, didn't I? I'm sorry about that. Um, But but then you said you found this horse that um, is just a dream horse and I thought he would be a Frisian because I know yes. that you love Frisians so much um, but tell us tell us the horse that you decided to buy 
Well, Bob turned out to be an ex-racehorse, which was not at all on my, um, my, my really on my agenda of things to go out and look for. But he, you know, he rather just sort of fell, fell at us. We um, saw him advertised online, I think, somewhere and just thought, well, you know, let's just go and have a look. Um, and he just turned out to be, it, you know, a, a lot more than, than I expected. I like the power of a Frisian. I like, I quite like the width of the Frisians. And he's the opposite, so he's narrow, but he's exceptionally powerful. And now that's what sort of, you know, really clinched it for me. Um, he's a nice boy. He's got a nice trainable brain. He's very forward thinking. And, you know, I just was very taken aback. I didn't expect to really like him. And actually, I've, you know, fallen quite in love with him straight mm-hmm. away. So home he came. And, and the other interesting thing is, you know, Frisians are known for dressage. And yes. Bob is very much a, a eventing jumping horse, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So I don't leave the ground. Ever, <laughs> you don't um, jump. It would. I don't jump ever. Um, so um, I quite like four feet on the ground for at least a few seconds, you know, uh, between movements. So I've got a couple of girls that are itching to take him out decent jumping. So they'll probably do a little bit on him as well, which would be fun. And I will do all of the flat work with him, which is great. So he's just very, very powerful, and he just has this lovely way about him. You, know, you give him a pat, and he's sort of saying, "Oh." thanks um you know he's really sweet he's just adorable i mean he's a big boy and and i had the pleasure of meeting him when he first arrived and i thought no way would i get on a thoroughbred ever because i'm you know scared of the wind um and so are (laughs) they so so no way but but ultimately i fall in love with him too because he just has the kindest temperament yeah he really does he's not like your i mean i think thoroughbreds get a really hard time at times you know he's not not what most people would class as a, a you know a zany thoroughbred. He doesn't spook at silly things. He's actually very sensible. Mm. Um, you know, I think he's you he, he, he put everything at him. You know, tractors, you know, planes taken off and things like that. We've never had an issue with him being spooky or silly. Or we took him to his first show last weekend, and he just. I mean, he's only 16 too, but he felt, you know, he's up there with 18 too, but he didn't do anything, you know, he's so well behaved. And so he's really not your sort of the way that we think thoroughbreds would be. He's not a crazy horse. He's a sane horse. No. But this yeah. is what made it so hard for you when he, well, when he became poorly. Can you talk me through that yeah. in the beginning? Yeah. How did I mean, you, because for a sane horse... Um, if if you haven't had a horse for that long, that's the tricky bit, isn't it? If you haven't had a horse mm. for that long, you can't gauge whether they've got a behaviour change. So yeah. you've got a new horse in here whose behaviour isn't really changing. How can you tell that there's something going on inside? Well, to, you know, to start with, he um, he was quite cool. You know, everything was quite easy going, and he chops a little bit of weight. But you know, it's winter; he's a thoroughbred. He's in a new home, and we knew that maybe moving home wasn't his favourite thing to do. And he's been passed around quite a lot over the last sort of three years. Not really had a a very long term home. I think the longest home he'd had was about a year, but he spent most of it in the field. Um, and we knew he didn't settle well. So, you know, we put him out in the field for the first few weeks anyway. So he was quite happily, you know, munching on grass all day and all night. Um, and then the grass, you know, sort of starts to disappear and it gets muddy and he came in and he was a bit stressed for a while. So dropping off weight wasn't a massive sort of flag, if you like. We just thought, well, you know, that's fine. And he'll put some weight on as he relaxes. And dress gradually got a bit grouchy around his girth. So we had the saddle checked and where he has changed shape a little bit. But no, that was all quite fine. And he's quite sensitive in that way. 
if you didn't like the saddle, we've tried a few on over the last few weeks just to see. And there is a remark change on, or on something that he doesn't like. So, you know, we didn't think it's not the saddle. We looked at his diet a little bit and, and, and you know, we're happy with that. Had his teeth checked and he was vetted, you know, it's not sort of six weeks before. So... So you had you had a full vetting before you bought him. Yeah, we had a two stage vetting, and was you know absolutely fine. I know the vet really well, and we have a good relationship, so I was comfortable with the vetting that I had. Um, Didn't bring anything up, so that was great. Um, And yeah, so it's something just was you know in the back of my mind something was wrong. Now that leads me to you know one of your podcasts. Obviously, being a really good friend of yours, I listened to all the podcasts, and (laughs) um, one that I loved was the Gastric Ulcer podcast. Now, you know, even though you know I work in the industry, I have to say that gastric ulcers I hadn't really come across that much. And I'd listened to the podcast. I think it was a year or sort of eighteen months ago, and I listened to it again. And I thought, actually, hang on a minute, there's something in this. And I wonder whether being an ex-racer, being of that breed, um, that could be something worth looking into. So I started to play around a little bit with his feed. So I'd give him plenty of hay and a little bit of chaff before we rode him. And it made a huge difference. Now, sometimes he would buck and canter. Again, being a thoroughbred ex-race horse, we don't, you know, that's not, not that eyebrow raising. But, you know, he would do it without the chaff and not with the chaff. So, And that was something well, that you got from Richard Hepburn from BMW yes. Equine Vet. So he was explaining yeah. that if you feed the horses, if you, if you think they how they treat gastric ulcers is if you feed them more fibre. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's sort of long grain fibre, anything like hay, sometimes chaff's a bit a bit fine we use alpha a oil um oil is quite a big important part of their diet um especially if we think they're ulcer prone um and yeah so it just made a big difference because what it does is they eat it and then it prevents the it sort of balls up all the acid and, and gets the stomach working on something else so when you're riding the acid isn't sloshing up into their top half of their tummy now thoroughbreds tend to have squamous ulcers rather than glandular ulcers now that's quite generic you know some horses will have have both and, and actually transpires he does have a couple of glandular ulcers as well but um you know the main part is when he moves or when he, especially in canter when your you know your 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 gait is so much bigger um, that acid is sloshing around his tummy, hitting an ulcer, and you can just imagine how much it would hurt you. Uh, and that was his response. So when we did feed him hay and an alpha a small alpha feed just before we rode, that wasn't there, and that was a big mark difference. So that was a really good way for you to test without, because it's difficult, isn't yes. it, when you don't know the horse. You, you, you Automatically yeah. you want to say, if you think there's a problem, you call the vet out. But with, with such few symptoms, it's very hard for you to yes. know what was wrong. So by using the hair yeah, and definitely. using the extra forage, it helped. You, you got a tangible difference, didn't you? Absolutely. And it was quite remarkable how, how different he was. Now, you know, we... we did put quite a lot of his stress into the decision to try and treat him just with the hay to begin with because he's a very stressful horse and moving anywhere is going to stress him out let alone having to go into the the surgery to escape so some people may escape straight away I did wait for a bit just to make sure that I wasn't going to put him through all that stress for absolutely nothing Mm. um so you know perhaps maybe I waited a week and a half before getting him into the surgery to have his scope I had a chat I've got one of vets are a friend of mine so I just you know we sort of chatted about it and he said you know that's probably a good idea to have him scoped 
Um, I by this point had changed his feed onto something a little bit more comfortable for his tummy. So some low starchless sugar diets, which we found we were quite happy with what we he was on. So we um, booked him in for his scope. Now, when they get scope, they have to starve overnight before the scope. So what I found out about the ulcers is that they're actually formed you know, more in the day starvation. So I wasn't too concerned about him, you know, producing more ulcers by being starved overnight. However, I was more worried that he'd either eat his bed or completely lose the plot. So mm. we um, we made the decision to take him up to the vets um, and, and we went use the barn equine and they were really good. They had him in overnight before. He was very upset when he got there. He doesn't like traveling alone. And they, you know, they were really, really good all the way along. Um, so he had no hay from seven. Um, and he was scoped at 9.30 in the morning by Helen, the vet. And they were really quick to come back to us with their findings, which was really, really good. So that, that process in between, when you were feeding, when you were feeding Bob, um, before you got him scoped, uh, it's a really tricky time for you because you're worrying, thinking something's wrong. You don't know what's wrong. Yeah. Was the vet supportive in you in you trying this feeding regime first before? Were, were they happy well, for you to I wait mean, a week? They were happy for me to wait. I mean, I had a, an off the sort of, it, it wasn't a, a proper conversation. I didn't have the vet out and we had a discussion about it. It's a friend, a vet mm. that's a friend of mine. And we discussed about whether or not we thought it would be worth sending him for a scope. We decided it probably would, but just to have a look and see how he went just having the chaff um, or the alpha and the hay before we rode him. And actually, because I had such a positive effect um, and you can't really take a tally after a day, you need to look at it over, you know, a few days to see, you know, is he actually profoundly better when he's had that? Yes, he is. Okay, so we're probably thinking that mm. it is probably ulcers. Because you're not going to put a horse through all that stress unless it's necessary, yeah. especially a horse that, you know, doesn't settle in well at yards, doesn't like to be in stable, he doesn't, no, he doesn't even like to change stables. You know, he really does like his own, his own place. So we're taking him into the, the surgery meant that he had, you know, one day without any grazing, one day with half a day's grazing. Uh, he didn't miss a feed, actually, because we fed him, they fed him before starvation began, and then they fed him again after a scope. But to be fair, he was so stressed, it, it, it just went straight through him. You know, mm. he was quite upset when he was there. And they handled that very well. I was really impressed with their grooms. What were you thinking at this time? You must have been so worried. Yeah, it was horrible leaving him there because I knew, you know, that he would be absolutely beside himself and completely, you know, they have no idea, do they, these horses? They're so trusting of us, you know, popping them in a lorry and popping them down to the, you know, the, the vets and just leaving them there. And, you know, I just think, gosh, that has been awful for him overnight. But I do trust my vet. So I, um, you know, and I know long term that this is the best solution for him. Hmm. So what happened then? Well, you know, he's had his starvation. They take him in for a scope. What do they yeah, so they sedated him for his scope and the scope goes down into his stomach um, and it's a little sort of camera on the end so they can take pictures of what they see at the end of the scope. So what they found was a, a few things, actually. We have sort of three rather major problems inside his stomach. So we've got some grade three, grade four ulceration in his squamous region. So that's the top of his stomach. Mm. And, you know, they, they talk a lot about this being caused by stress. 
Um, so with a racehorse, that's quite difficult to manage. And some of those ulcers were bleeding actually at the time that, that, that the vet was in there with the scope. Oh we also gosh. had a, a few ulcers. We had some ulcers in the glandular region, just some very small ones. And I think normally your sort of warm, bloody type horses are more susceptible to those than your racehorses. And then we had some bots emerging out of the stomach lining while the camera was in there. So that was quite interesting to see. And you just think about how painful that must be for the horse when you actually can see it up close and it being your own horse, you think, gosh, you know, that's that's so sad. So we were led to believe, obviously, that the horses were wormed and um, he arrived at our yard literally a couple of days after the last worm count. So he'd have just been popped on the next one. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's actually a little bit down to me. I ought to have got a worm count done anyway. And I wish I had. Uh, but you know it's safe to say that he's now been wormed and that's now treated but goodness were you not I would have been so angry and mad with the people who you bought the horse from because there's only so much we can do we've got to we've got to take them a little bit of face value I get that you could have done a worm count granted but that's my fault yeah Yeah. but well I think that yeah, but I wouldn't have thought of that, Rachel. I would have, wouldn't have thought if someone, if, you, if you're buying, if you're spending money on a horse and it just goes to show how much we can't trust previous owners or people that. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I think that's what you have to take you have to take away from it is rather than you know sort of getting angry over it I you know I should just have done a word count when he first arrived and then I would have been able to deal with that problem quicker but also you know if you do I mean you're not worming for the sake of worming then you're just doing a worm count it costs you know it's nothing 20 quid and mm. um and then you know you know you know where you are so um I think that anybody that has buys a new horse ought to do a worm count relatively soon I mean we still only had him two months so it's not um not within the realms of uh, of good sort of horsemanship that we're doing our worm camp now so um i'm comfortable with that but um 
Poor you know, that Amanda. was a bit of a surprise to see that migration actually happening in front of your eyes. Because we all talk about worming and how important it is but, mm. and, and doing worm counts, but you, you rarely actually do ever get to see up close and personal actually what's going on inside your horse's stomach and mm. a worm migration like that of them coming out of the wall um, of the horse's stomach. Now, further on down into his stomach by the sphincters, there were some fairly nasty ulceration uh, where there's, there's quite a little bit of extra skin down in there. So um, they, they've got to be seen to as well. And then going into his small intestines, he had um, sand. Mm. So um, the reason he has sand is the reason, you know, we're on quite sandy soil. There's not as much grass this time of year. And what happens is they ingest the sand on their lips when they're trying to get right down to the bottom of the root of the grass. And then they take that sand on board. Now, he is on a vitamin and mineral supplement. He is on, um, you know, he has you know, all his feeds are well balanced, but still obviously taking on this extra sand. Now, because his he'd been starved for a period of time, it ought to have actually passed through. And so what was left was there was quite a considerable amount of sand in there. So we've um, had to pop him onto a supplement to take care of that because that, you know, has got some fairly nasty consequences and sand colic and things like that. Oh, poor little man. I mean, he those those sort of injuries that he has or those problems, you know, the amount of ulcers that he has. He yeah. uh, Did the vet say how long he would have had that for, for them to get that bad? I think really there's no there's no way of knowing really, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd been there since his racing days. He races a four-year-old and he's now eight. So, um, yeah. and I think people have had problems with him along the way. Um, from what I can gather, I think people have owned him for so many months and he's gotten a bit grumpy and... And a little bit, you know, lost a little bit of weight and been difficult to wait on. And then they said, well, let's put him out in the field. And then they said, OK, let's sell him. And I think mm. that's the way his life has gone. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been um, harbouring him there for quite some time. Oh, and considering he's such a lovely soul as well to be going he is through a lovely soul. yeah to be yeah. going through all that all that have all that pain and he's still so good with the young yeah. girls too so yeah what, no, he really is sweet what are the what what's the next step then what do the vets say after they found the the ulcers well it's all quite treatable and these squamous ulcers appear to be more treatable and quite easily treatable the the management of the stress is the issue really so that we don't get more ulcers forming so he's on an ulcer gold um, treatment which is a syringe every day so he has to have a relatively empty stomach to have the ulcer gold so what we do is he comes in from the field at sort of three o'clock we ride him after he's had his hay he has to have his hay before we ride him to stop the 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 um, acids sloshing up onto his ulcers um, and then we ride him for sort of an hour and then he has his ulcer gold it just looks like a wormer luckily he's very good to worm um, and bless him, he's been ever so good every day. So he has his treatment and then he has to wait an hour before he's fed. Um, so he just sort of hangs around, has a bit of hay and, and has a groom and, and gets looked after. And then he has his feed before he goes to bed. Mm. Um, obviously, he got wormed. So when he came back from the vets that day, he got wormed. He had his first ulcer treatment. And then unfortunately, he had a colic. So um, I think he, he just had gone through too much. His day was far too stressful. And in hindsight, possibly maybe ought to have started the treatment the following day. Um, but 
needless to say, you know, he felt quite poorly. I think his tummy was feeling quite, quite poorly and, and obviously in quite a lot of pain. Mm. Um, and he just had a little colic. It wasn't a, a huge colic. There was certainly no impaction because there was nothing in there to be impacted by, really. Mm. Um, but I think his but body also, is just going through. But also all the prodding, the prodding about yes. from the, you know, the scope and everything. And I remember when Blackjack left after him, you know, after he was at the vets years ago, he was just exhausted, you know, they're, they're just so yeah. tired and bless him. So um, the vet came out and he just laid down on the on his bed and he put his head down on the straw bed. And, you know, he, he actually looked like it was about the end, you know, he and he's not really like that at all. He's normally at the stable door waiting for someone to come in. So he really was looking around and kicking his belly. And I just think his, the, you know, obviously the, the wormer was working and what with everything else going on and having a little bit of an empty tummy, he just, it, it was all just too much. Mm. But the vets were great. Again, the barn came out and they treated him. They gave him muscle relaxant and a painkiller. And then they did a rectal examination. I mean, the um, vet that came out did it without sedation. So they didn't want to put his body under an sedative. Um, so hats off to that vet because he was amazing. He had all the girls sort of dumbstruck from the fact that he was doing it without sedation because this horse, you know, is very stressed and very upset about all the stuff that had been done to him that day. Mm. That's um, George, isn't it? George at Yeah, he's just fabulous. Barn yeah. Equine. He's, he's treated good. Blackjack before and he's all, he's just so kind. Yeah. He was really amazing. Yeah. But interestingly, was great, I, my, my naive brain would have said, well, isn't that a bit dangerous not sedating a horse before you do that? Well, I did ask. I did ask. And we did check that he was in short before he'd done that. But what I loved was it was not for the good of him or his health. It was for the good of the horse. So to have sedated him again would have put his body under another strain. And he said that, you know, he'd rather not do that if he doesn't have to. So to take mm. that sort of, you know, obviously a calculated risk, but for the benefit of the horse, it, you know, it really impressed me. I thought that was, um, you know, really good. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that was great. And I waited around for an hour. Um, to check that he sort of came round and was um, when once the muscle relaxant and the painkiller had worn off, that he was still feeling comfortable when he was. So I went home, but then you get that nagging feeling that oh, you know what's happening now? Should I go and check? So I had a bath and <laughs> just got back in the car in my dressing gown and my nighty and zoomed back up there and checked that he was fine oh. on the inside. He was okay. Yeah, he was fine. He didn't eat his breakfast in the morning, but you know that's not to not to really worry. Sometimes he doesn't eat breakfast in the morning. He's very keen to get out the door, sort of at the crack of dawn. So um, we do get those worries though in the night. You know, when we're just yeah. thinking it's so dark and there's no one at the yard. And gosh, I'm surprised you didn't get your sleeping bag and stay there all night. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I was quite nervous. I'm actually a little bit of a wuss when it comes to dark yards, and this yard is particularly big. But actually, no, he was he was perfectly fine. I think he was a bit annoyed that I'd come back. Um, so that was good. Oh. That was reassuring. So, how is Bob doing now? It's been what five days? Yeah, Bob's really well actually. So he had his first ulcer treatment on that Wednesday, um, and he's continued to have his ulcer treatment every day, progressively getting, looking a lot more comfortable, being a lot less grouchy about being groomed, um, and you know, steadily putting the weight back on. So there's not a massive change in his weight. Get you know, his weight that that will take time, but um, very comfortable. 
comfortable when he's being ridden. So that's that's definitely different. He was comfortable before when he'd had his Alfred or his Hay, but he, remarkably so. You know, he was actually quite forward tonight. He was, you know, very forward tonight, mm-hmm. um, and, and massively different. So that's great. Um, he's he's trying to bounce a little bit in canter when you collect him. So he's obviously feeling that he can lift his back a bit more now, and um, you know, it's not going to hurt so much. So I'm really impressed at how quickly that's progressed. Actually, I, I was surprised to hear that you know we would expect a result that quickly, but that's quite positive. I'm quite surprised that you're able to ride yeah. him now so soon. I would have thought maybe he'd need like a couple of weeks off to, for the for the ulcers to heal. Yeah, well, I think the thing with that is that exercise is good. Exercise is generally always good. You know, it gets the gets the blood flowing around the body, gets the muscles working, gets some thinking. Um, and you know, there's not many of us that have got a horse that you know is in in medium sort of to hard work that you can just put down for a few weeks and then get back on without without worrying about your health. So um, hmm. he's not the sort of horse that likes a day off. He likes to be ridden every day. He um, you know really thrives on being ridden. As soon as you get the saddle on and the bridle on, he's ready to go, uh, and that's really improved. So uh, yeah, we're really pleased with that. We I'm so pleased for you and I'm so pleased for Bob as well because I just I just think now though you might not have your friendly chilled out horse anymore I think you might get the racehorse when he's feeling better I think I might get the racehorse (laughs) after today I might be right Um, but no unfortunately he has to go back into the surgery and get rescoped in in a few weeks oh no No, so that's um, unfortunate so they have to just see how well the ulcer treatment has worked Hmm. um, and he'd then go on to a, a smaller dose after that, if the the ulcers have, have if we've got rid of most of them, he'll go onto a smaller dose for a while, um, and then potentially, you know, have another scope after that. But it's all about really managing managing the stress because if it's the stress that forms or makes the ulcers form, then we have to manage that in a you know in a good way. So they suggested that if we go out competing, that we give him some of the ulcer gold before we go out to lower the acidity in his stomach um, to help prevent the ulcers reoccurring and to just try and manage him so that he doesn't need to move stables, that he doesn't need to leave. I mean, he's going nowhere. He's he's awesome. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just the management really that we need to keep keep on top of. So, you know, in the day, making sure he's always got access to plenty of forage. Um, in the moment, if I put hay out, he won't eat it. So, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, sadly. So um, he's grazing all day, um, making sure we stay on top of the sand issue. So he will, he's on a supplement that he has for one week of every month and it helps to ball up the sand and, and push it out. So that's great. Um, he'll have another fecal worm count done in when he goes in for rescoping. So then they'll have a look and see what else is going on in there. And we'll, you know, obviously keep on top of that. So fingers crossed we're, you know, sort of over the worst and this poor little chap can start feeling like a normal horse again, which I doubt he's probably ever felt. No, bless him. This sounds like a lot. It sounds like it could cost a lot. I know you're well, insured. insured. Yeah, he is insured. Um, and, you know, a real believer in that because uh, we don't like to be stuck, us horse owners, with difficult situations and decisions that we don't really want to make. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for insuring your horses. And, you know, in some in some times the farmer's approach works well. Other times the medical approach works better. And I think in this situation I'm, you know, all for the medical approach. Totally And agree. being insured gives me that reassurance that I can actually go ahead and, and, and give him the 
treatment that he needs not the treatment that I can necessarily afford mm. so um you know I'm really grateful that the insurance company are you know sort of dealing with it really well interestingly though it hasn't cost a fortune has it it sounds like it no. could cost thousands no. but no it- I think at the moment we're up to about 600 pounds which is remarkable so we'll just see where it goes uh hopefully I think some people have a lot less luck treating their ulcers so fingers crossed his ulcers are you know they 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 respond well to the treatment um, mm. and that's the key really like we say is just the management of it so it doesn't keep reoccurring well Rachel thank you so much for sharing your story and to, for sharing no, Bob's story no it's 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 interesting to hear because you're currently going through the experience right now yeah. and I know it's very recent and probably still quite raw and Bob is lucky to have you because it sounds like he's had lots of owners that haven't bothered doing anything and you know if we're insured then we don't need to worry about the money because ultimately money I don't think should get in the way of horses health I think but unfortunately the, the problem is is that it does you know and it does come in the way of it and it, it's a very difficult conversation to have isn't it you know if mm. you can't afford insurance should you have a horse but then is that really you know should people don't want to insure their you're horse and allowed, that's their prerogative you're but, not allowed to drive a car if you don't have insurance so why should you oh, be able to, to have third party i mean you know sort of vets coverage it, it's expensive and some people don't believe in it and that's you know absolutely fine but for for me you know with both my horses even the, the little tenor hand shetland you know i i don't want to be in a situation where i have to make a difficult decision and wish mm. that i hadn't insured them you know, mm. I hadn't short them. I'm never going to wish that I hadn't. So, um, you know, for me, that that's all the decision made. And I know you, your head wouldn't be able to deal with, you know, Bob being ridden if you didn't know that the horse is really well inside and out. Oh, exactly. Well, it's not fair, is it? And, and I think anybody with any conscience whatsoever would constantly think, okay, well, you know, is he being naughty or is this something medical? Well, if you've got a glimmer of a thought that it could be something medical, especially something like ulcers, I mean, most of us have all had an ulcer in our life. You know, it's not very pleasant. And imagine having this in your stomach. It would be unthinkable. And these horses continue to go and they continue to suffer. And you think, you know, if there's something you can do, you'd do it. So on that note, how can we follow you on Facebook? Because um, I think I, I, for one, want to follow Bob's journey and see how he's doing in a week's time and how his next scope goes as well. Brilliant. Well, I am Rachel Smith, accredited professional coach. Well, thanks so much, Rachel. Good luck. And we will catch up with you very soon. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you've got any worries about gastric ulcers, then head to our website, horsehour.co.uk, because there's a whole bunch of information on there on the subject. And we did do a previous episode of the Horse Hour podcast with Richard Hepburn from B&W Equine Vets, which explains in detail about how you actually find the signs um, and the symptoms and what happens and how they treat the horse if they do think that they've got gastric ulcers. So the good news is for Rachel is that her horse is now doing really, really well and your horse can recover from it. We're doing lots of these advice-based episodes. It's all about learning veterinary problems and issues that you might be having with your horse. And I'm really keen to hear what are your stories. Any problems that you're going through, drop us a message at Horse Hour on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if you've had an experience that you'd love to share with other equestrians, then I'm really keen to hear your stories too so we can get you on the podcast next week you can hear sandy she's going to be talking at the international eventing forum which is on the 5th of february very very exciting you can find more information on the international eventing forum on our website 
Thanks to all our new followers. It's really great to have you here and I hope you're enjoying the networking hour on Twitter on Monday nights between 8 and 9pm UK time. Have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter Mondays 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.